podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boys. Come on, boys. Boom. The boys are back. And this is an episode that I think every K-State fan who even kind of follows recruiting has been waiting for anxiously on pins and needles for for about a year now. If you're living under a rock, Yesterday afternoon, four-star quarterback, the number three dual-threat quarterback in the nation, top 200 prospect in the nation, elite 11 quarterback, number one player in the greatest high school class in the history of the Sunflower State, the great state of Kansas. Avery Johnson out of Mays, Kansas, is a wildcat. What a pickup. For K State. And I tell you what, folks, I could have just shot off an episode by myself. I could have gotten some hack off the streets to talk about it. I could have just had Chauncey Bosco chomping on a chew toy, and you guys would have downloaded it anyways, because that's how great the boneheads are, and that's how excited everyone is for this commitment. But I'm staying up past my bedtime to talk to one of the men who were there on the street covering the recruitment down in Mays and the commitment in Mays as it happened. It is the young gun. It's the hungry man. He's the guy who is out there pounding the pavement better than anyone in the world right now when it comes to K-State football recruiting. It's one of my fellow Topeka cats, Drew Galway of K-State Online. Drew, my man, I know you're tired and I appreciate you. Hop in on Zoom right when you get back from Mays. How good does it feel? Because you're not only, I mean, yes, you're a journalist now, but you grew up a K-State fan. You're a K-State graduate. How great is it to see maybe one of the greatest prospects ever to come through the state of Kansas choose to be a Wildcat? Oh, it feels really good. Like, exactly what you said. Like, yeah, I'm a journalist now, but like, when K-State is doing well and K-State recruiting is doing well, it's really good for business. So, like, it's cool, like, just to see all the interaction and the parties on Twitter and the party on KSO was really cool today. I mean, uh, Derek and I were talking about it when we were at dinner about how, like, any tweet that comes out is viral if you use the words Avery Johnson today. So, like, it's been fun to just see everybody's reaction, seeing national people's reactions and national recruiting analysts' reactions. And the Elite 11 gave K-State a shout-out. Like, just seeing K-State, like, I'm pretty sure K-State was one of the number one or two things turning again today on Twitter. Just, like, seeing that happen again was really cool. This is predominantly about Avery Johnson. We might end talking about two of the other uh... – in normal years, normal K-State years, what could have been two of the highest-rated guys in the class at the end of it, but just as a whole, the momentum, the energy, and kind of the 
fever pitch around K-State recruiting is something that I don't recall ever seeing. You and I have had multiple conversations. We don't know where this class is going to end up ranked-wise, but we're seeing K-State win legitimate recruiting battles for almost every single kid versus Power 5 opponents. And then for the likes of Avery Johnson, for the likes of Dylan Edwards, and who knows, maybe a few more in the future, it's not just Power 5 programs. It's not just the regional powers. Some legitimate blue blood wins. What is it about either this class or the coaching staff that has them kind of turning a corner and getting some of these recruiting battles that are dubs that we haven't seen yet in the Chris Kyman era? Uh, see, this is a tough one because like it is, it's a combination of the class being so strong in Kansas and all of the kids being at least somewhat um, familiar with each other, if not like pretty good friends, like Will Ancio's played or Will Ancio played, I think it was baseball with Dylan Edwards and uh, Avery Johnson growing up. And like, it's a combination of that along with the coaching staff has been here a little bit longer and they know more about Manhattan. They know more about the offense that they're about to be running. They know more about their defensive scheme that they're running. And they have all this, and they've fostered this relationship with these kids because you got to remember that they've been on a lot of these kids for two, three years now. It's like you're seeing all of that like come together and it's like a perfect storm. And it's led to many recruiting wins. It's led to uh, some a kid like Joe Jackson who was going to wait to take an official visit for the fall, but he sees that a spot fills up and he wants to go to K-State. So he reschedules and gets an official visit at the end of June, ends up committing on July 4th. And like, you're just seeing all of this momentum that's just foraging. This is, Avery Johnson's commitment was the ninth commitment in the last 16 days for K-State. And if you look, even today, that like almost every single commitment right before, or commit right before Avery announced was on Twitter posting about it. Like this class just seems really unified. And like, I don't know where it will end up because it's hard to be in the top 30. I believe Iowa was the number 30 last year and they had one five-star and seven four-stars. So getting to the top 30 is probably a little bit unrealistic, but getting into the top 40 is a solid start. And you look at the board and we've talked about this, that if you look at their recruiting board, they're not really losing anyone. It's just they're, they're constantly winning every, almost every battle or almost every kid that's making an announcement is picking them. Yeah, and, you know, of course, Joe Odding, it, that was a tough loss going to Notre Dame if you're looking just at the in-state kids. But if you look at the big boards over at K-State Online, it seems like since – the 2023 big boards have been going on. I feel like almost every kid in the top five eventually ends up in purple. And that has to be a good feeling out in veneer in Manhattan for the coaching staff. I'm going to get you on again later in July to talk about it as a whole. I want to talk more about like specifically about Avery Johnson though. But before we do, as folks are listening to this Wednesday morning, I don't know if there has ever been a more anticipated live show than what we are going to have tonight, 7 p.m. on ColorCast. We're going to talk Avery Johnson, and we're going to talk conference realignment. And guess what? We're getting to talk about conference realignment when it isn't all doom and gloom for the Big 12. 
So it is going to fill up fast. So if you want to be on stage, if you want to be listening in, there's no limit on the folks who can listen live. But if you want to be on stage, if you want to have your voice heard, make sure you're on Twitter. You're clicking that link right at 7 p.m. right here in God's time zone if you want to participate because it is going to be a wild night on ColorCast and I can't wait for it. All right, let's get into it. Avery Johnson, this is, and, and you've had to call me down a couple times because this was a recruitment that I think the staff did perfectly. From my novice point of view, they were in on him early. They were always near the top and they fended off so many programs uh, to get him. I know a lot of folks are going to point to some of the offer lists and say, oh, they already grabbed their quarterback. Oh, they already grabbed it. Blah, 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 blah. But for so many of these teams, they were like, we can't catch K-State. So they bowed out. And there were some massive hitters. There's some blue bloods, the likes of Notre Dame, the sexy programs like Oregon, Florida State, these up-and-comers trying to buy these, you know, top 25 recruiting classes in Arkansas. So many different schools swung. They tried their best, but K-State just mushed them like they're Michael Beasley playing in the big three. That's my novice point of view. Walk me through a more nuanced, more professional way of how K-State staff won this recruiting battle. I mean, to be completely honest, you hit it perfectly on the head. Um, I remember actually last December, like you said, K-State got in on Avery early that there were people getting kind of anxious that K-State hasn't or hadn't offered Avery yet. But I think the offer came in like January, February. But like there were people that didn't think that K-State got in early enough on Avery. But they still got in early. They were always near the top. And to be completely honest, K-State led from the beginning, maybe middle of March on and never looked back. And that's why you saw teams like Arkansas, who bowed out. I mean, you knew that Arkansas, Arkansas thought that they were done when they had Malachi Singleton and I think one other quarterback come to like a junior day and Avery wasn't invited. Then you saw Ole Miss who was in on, who was in on Avery early, Jeff Levy leaves. So then they didn't want to return because when, once they got a new offensive coordinator, K-State already had a big lead. You saw Notre Dame who Avery again was kind of in on early, but then Brian Kelly leaves. And once everything comes into fruition and shuffled back, like, again, K-State has a big enough lead where Avery basically kind of told Notre Dame, like, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, I mean, he, like, said as much in an interview, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but specifically Notre Dame, he said when he was locking in his official visits, they're like, well, is there anyone else trying to get in on your recruitment? He goes, yeah, Notre Dame is trying hard to get back in, but – I think it's just a little bit too late for them. So again, and and you can keep going through them. A lot of folks on Twitter, some of the detractors, you know, which happen to be ironically enough, Missouri fans, Nebraska fans, Oklahoma fans, some of these regional fan bases, I think are legitimately starting to get scared that they're going to have to compete with K-State with these regional kids. They're trying to take away from how big of a recruiting win this is, but that is just the most, beta take and obviously they're not following what's going on so i sorry to get on my soapbox but i mean he made it a point to say hey look notre dame was coming and i was not answering the phone yeah like k-state had such a big lead that like he was turning down schools like notre dame and 
I mean, Washington took Lincoln Kinghole's um, that last weekend of June because they knew that they weren't going to get Avery. Oregon. And, and, and sorry, just, just to jump in, and, and I, I know I, I bring the expert in, I'm jumping in. But I think now that the commitment has happened, we can both say, and even though I spazzed out for a little bit, Avery made his mind up. He made his commitment when he got back from Oregon. It was yeah. all parties had known. Oregon and Washington went all in. They gave it their you know best shot. They swung for the fences. And Avery straight up said, no, I'm picking K-State. It wasn't, oh, Washington took another quarterback. Oh, all of a sudden now Oregon has their guy. No, Avery took they, – they gave their full pitches. He got back to Kansas, and he made his commitment. He just sat on it because his best friend – one of his best friends, he was doing his commitment, and then he didn't want to do it at Elite 11. So K-State yeah. has known about this for two to three weeks now. Oh, yeah. There's a, a, a video from one of the national, I think it was Rivals people. I don't want to get his name wrong, so I'm going to look this up. But it was at the Elite 11 where Avery actually says that he's committing to K-State. And it's from the Elite 11. So, like, he's known for a while. Well, and all the but, Elite 11 quarterbacks, his nickname there was K-State. Like, they're oh, yeah. saying, come on, K-State, let's see what you got. So, again, while the uh, commitment became official today, this is something that K-State staff has known for probably two to three weeks now. And again, even as nervous as I was on Twitter, on the message boards and on this podcast, it was people like you. It was people like insert my secret special source here. I'm not going to say who it is, who would listen to the show and then call me up and say, oh, Scott Wildcat, you need to chill. Avery is our, he's in, he's in. So again, we we won this recruitment and it was just my pessimistic nature that wasn't party rocking for the last month. But like you said, it was a perfect recruitment by K-State. They, I don't think that they could have done it any better if they tried it 25 times over, which isn't a disrespect to that staff or anything. It's just how perfect they were. They've made his, his official visit an individualized visit. Coach Klein personally cooked for him like they took him out on ATVs. They did everything that he really liked on the official visit. They brought in Josh Manning on the official visit because they wanted to meet. Like they did everything so calculated. They knew that that he was number one on their board. He knew that he was number one on their board. And they just kept like creeping closer to a commitment. And then it finally happened actually like a few weeks ago. But, and then came to fruition this afternoon but it was such a perfect win. And even the way that like the quarterback offers were sent out at, I think it was the or the middle of May to uh, Aiden Childs and Lincoln Keenholes. Like that was perfect because like they needed a backup plan just in case, but they couldn't offer somebody until the very end. So that way they had some leverage because they knew that Avery wanted to be committed by beginning of July or early or end of June. So they needed some leverage to be like, hey, we can just take this guy if you want, or if you want to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, and and I I don't know if I'd go as far as saying eating crow, but what I will say is I wasn't over the moon with the promotion for Colin Klein. I also was pretty harsh on Colin Klein at different points of the last two seasons of him as a quarterback coach, but 
as rightly has been pointing out to me, I have no idea what makes a good or bad position coach. So that was probably stupid in the, in, in my own right mind. But if you look at him as a recruiter, Skylar Thompson, Jake Rubley, Adrian Martinez, Avery Johnson. This is the fourth four star that Colin Klein has landed as the yes. quarterback coach. And again, we we were in the race when Messingham was still around, and everyone who listens to the show knows I'm not a mess hater. Like, I, I he was a very efficient offensive coordinator. He's gone, but I don't know if this gets over the finish line without the promotion to offensive coordinator for a Colin Klein and also the evolution of the offense or at least the perceived evolution of the offense. And I think when this really started to take off for me thinking, oh, shit, this is going to happen was when Avery went up for a 6 a.m. spring practice. And what is he doing? He's walking around with Josh Buford and Colin Klein watching the quarterbacks taking in the new offense. And at that point, I thought to myself, okay, we're really in business here. Yeah, I mean, it really took off for, like, for the for a K-State standpoint, about the time that Colin Klein was named offensive coordinator and started to switch the offense and make things a little bit more innovative, modern. And it's it really helped them and the re- the relationship that Klein and Avery have had from the beginning has really paid off. And now that he has this promotion of being the OC, it could really help sell Avery on his relationship with Klein too. And the last thing I'll talk about the coaching staff and how great they were at recruiting. I think you have to give credit not only to Colin Klein in the pedigree of quarterbacks he's brought in, but if you look at the quarterbacks Chris Kleiman has brought in, you know, you have Carson Wentz, you have Easton Sticks, Stick. If you want to count Trey Lane, I don't think he ever really was a starter under Chris Kleiman, but he no. was brought in. I think he played a game or two one of those final years. Uh, so you have them. And then you have Skyler getting drafted. You have Adrian Martinez on big boards. Chris Kleiman knows how to identify and set his starting quarterbacks up to get drafted into the NFL. That has to play something in there. And then this is one final thing I want to bring up about Chris Kleiman. Then we're going to talk more about Avery Johnson's style. But Avery Johnson, when he was talking to CBS Sports HQ, which I got to give them credit, they did that up big time. It was a lot of fun watching, you know, a five minute intro talking about Avery Johnson, watching the interview seeing the commitment and seeing some analysts break down his game. But something he said was because Chris Kleiman is a defensive-minded coach, being able to get in the film room with him, he's able to look at things and kind of, you know, reverse engineer a scouting report on his quarterbacks to help them improve there. It's something that I never really thought of, but he brought that up. Adrian Lara actually brought that up when he committed, I think in a story to you guys, uh, you know, the quarterback that we got for the 2022 class, Adrian Martinez brought that up as well. Is that low key? Like, Oh shit. Like that's maybe something K-State fans didn't think of like having the head coach while maybe not being a quarterback's coach, but being able to be such a great defensive mind, he's able to show them, Hey, this is how I would attack you. You need to fix that. Is that something that is being undersold or maybe, 
ignored by K-State fans is maybe like, you know, maybe not an ace up the sleeve, but like a jack of clubs. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how I describe it. It's like a jack of clubs because like we keep hearing all of these quarterbacks say that. And I think it also helps that Kleiman was a secondary guy first. It's like he can really diagnose the defense or and well, from the offensive standpoint and figure out like what's going on. And he can be like, this is what I would do if I was a defensive back or safety on this play. And like, this is what I think that you need to work on here. Because like we hear it from every quarterback that comes through K-State. You, the one quarterback, the one quarterback that you didn't mention saying that was Skyler, who has said who has said that a few times too. Yes, and that is something Skyler I think said. I think coming out of his first spring with Coach Kleiman, his first his first uh, media availability in the fall in the first year of Chris Kleiman, that is something that he mentioned maybe like two or three times in his first breakout session. So uh, I, I do think it is like I said, it's not an ace up the clubs but or up the sleeve. But I'm I'm saying that's the jack of clubs up the sleeve. Um, but let's move into it and let's talk about Avery Johnson's playing style. So again, I'm, I'm going to kind of do my dummy take on it first, and then you can talk about it a little bit more eloquently. The thing that makes me most excited is I think it's easy for a novice to watch either him, if you're in the Wichita area, go down to a maze game and watch him play. Or if you look at his highlight tape, you're like, holy shit, this guy's an athlete. He, I think he was all state, first team all state in football, basketball, and was it baseball as well, or track yeah. and field, one of the two? Baseball. baseball. He so had, he's a three he 400 this baseball season. It's wild. So this is a guy who is first team All-State in three different sports. You see him dunking on bitches in his basketball film, which you almost feel bad for the Mays basketball and baseball team because I believe he's going to be a spring enrollee yeah, so he'll be gonna, in a, he'll be an early enrollee yeah he, he will not get to play uh basketball or baseball but here's a guy who's all state on at one of the highest i, I think makes a 6a so the highest classification of K, uh, of kansas athletics so he's athletic you see him running around but then he gets an invite well he doesn't get an invite he earns the invite to the elite 11 nationals he is awarded as an elite 11 quarterback and while they do have a pro day aspect to that, that's almost all about arm talent. So in my head, I'm like, man, I almost feel like this guy is being slept on. If you're talking about rankings and national attention, because he is this world-class true athlete. But then when you're going up against the cream of the crop quarterback arm talents, he's being awarded that elite 11 designation. So when you watch him, what do you see on film and is my diagnosis correct? Like, Hey, yeah, he, he can run, he can do all this type of stuff, but you don't get named an elite 11 quarterback. If you're Daniel Sams, I love Daniel Sams. I am all about Daniel Sams. He's the greatest athlete we've seen at quarterback probably until Avery Johnson. But again, he's not going, he's not getting an invite to the elite 11 nationals with his arm talent. No, like again, like you kind of hit the nail on the head. Avery is a hell of an athlete. Like he, is all state basketball, all state baseball, all state football. He can do it all. And what makes me excited too is like all of these runs that he has, but he has some throws on his highlight film that if you watch it, they're like, oh my God. Like he has a lot of arm talent. And the one thing that I think everybody is a little bit excited about more is that he's never really focused just on football. It's like if he's this good now, I think people will be really impressed where he is two, three years from now where he's solely focused on just football. 
but he's a really good athlete. We all know that he could run, but like, as you said, he's a very underrated arm talent. He can throw and he, he has, he's has a couple throws that you're kind of like, Oh shit. It, this is like Mahomes esque. I mean, the maze derby game, he could have had a whole highlight for just from that game this past fall. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. And this was brought up on CBS H, uh, Q, CBS Sports HQ, and you've brought it up. Derek Young has brought it up over on K State Online because he's a three sport athlete, and he he does quarterback training. You know, when it's not football season, but this will be the first. Time. So after he graduates in the spring or in, in in December and comes to Manhattan in January, it'll be the first time in his life. He is focused solely on football and nothing else. And this is a theory of mine that I've had for a while, and it's about Kansas kids. I read a study, I think it was like in USA Today, it was a few years ago, I can't remember the exact one, I tried to bring it up, but but it said that male and female athletes in the state of Kansas are multi-sport athletes more than almost any other state in the country. Kansas athletes, high school athletes, are almost all playing more than one varsity sport. And my theory about kind of why Kansas football players are slept on are because a lot of these kids are doing football in the fall, wrestling or basketball in the winter, and then baseball or track in the spring. And they're not going to all these massive camps. They're not doing, you know, this craft identification. That's why you can see a guy like Will Geary be a walk-on, and then be a Mm three-time all-Big 12 type guy. You see a lot of these walk-ons, like Ty Bowman, for example, at at K-State right now. I think he he got one of those NIL scholarships, um, you know, but he's still technically a walk-on. He's a guy who I think was like a seven-sport athlete at his high school, Mm -hmm. you know, all-league in all of them, and now he walks on at K-State, and after just one spring of specializing in football – you start hearing the, the whispers like, oh, man, this like he's going to be a special team's ace and he's going to be contributing on offense before you know it. And then the countless walk-ons and, you know, lowly recruited Kansas kids who then blow up to be, you know, all state. And then you look at like a guy like Brees Hall, five, seven, you know, borderline four star. And then he's getting drafted in, you know, the, the first pick in the second round of the NFL draft. I think that is when you look at Avery Johnson, he is this good when he was still an all-state basketball and all-state baseball player. What's going to happen after six months with Coach True training his body to be football? Six months eating and breathing quarterback with Colin Klein. I, mm-hmm. I think that's being slept on when you're trying to project out what type of player he could be. Oh, yeah. It's being really slept on because he's this good already. Like, he's an Elite 11 quarterback already and like he isn't focused solely on football he's like how many of those guys who are at elite 11 nationals are all state basketball players let alone also an all state spring athlete as well i bet none not 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 many he might be the only one the only one that i can remember that had an invite to elite 11 that's also extremely good in another sport is the tennessee commit uh nico um something we'll just call him nico yeah that, that's a cool enough first name you just have to call him nico but like he he's an all-state volleyball player actually because california does um men's volleyball as a high school sport so that's, he's an all-state volleyball player. low-key that's like a pretty great 
sport to be pretty good at. Like, yeah, I'm talking about athlete. So, like, Avery is this good already, and like, hasn't so focused solely on being a quarterback. And what I think people always have brought up, like, Avery's weight, and, but like, part of that is like he has to keep his body kind of slim because he's practicing in three sports right now. It's like he can't just gain all of this weight for football like he can when he enrolls in January. Yeah, for sure. And again, I don't think anyone has to worry about this kid losing explosion and speed once he does get up to that playing weight because, I mean, just look at the huddle film. Look at his dunk mixtape. Like, the, the, the guy has a skill. Um, this is probably unfair to him, and, and I, hate, I hate when people ask this question, yet I'm going to do it anyways. What sort of quarterback, like if, if you're looking for a comp, whether it be a K-State guy, a Big 12 guy, or even an NFL guy, do you look at him and say, okay, that's what he is? CBS uh, Sports HQ, again, this is like almost like an infomercial for them a little bit, which sucks because, you know, they're uh, associated with 247, but, you know, it is what it is. They, they tried to say his – like, oh, the comp for him is Sam Darnold, and everyone was melting down about it because he sucks in the NFL. But folks got to realize he was an elite college guy. I don't think that's a great comp because I think Avery could probably, you know, run 80 yards Avery, quicker yeah. than – Avery's Sam. a much better athlete. Yeah, yeah. So, so, again, I don't think that's a great one, but – what is like something, whether it is, you know, a style of play or the ability, like the level of athleticism that you would tell K-State fans like, okay, like this is, we all acknowledge that this might be a little unfair, but when I see him, I see elements of this guy. Ooh, th- this is, this is a great question. This is, you're a great podcast host for this question. Um, I'll say that, uh, like a good cop for him is actually somebody that he said that he compares his game to. I see a lot of Russell Wilson in him with how he runs, how he throws. Russell Wilson was also a hell of a baseball player and was drafted by, I think, the Yankees. The Yankees are the Rangers. One of them drafted yeah. him. The other one, like, signed him to, like, a publicity stunt to play in, uh, like, spring training. Yeah, so, like, Russell Wilson, hell of a baseball player, too. So, like, it all, it all tracks – and like, but he is taller than Russell Wilson, which, and he's probably, he probably r- runs a faster 40 than Russell Wilson too, to be honest. Like he, he's just really unique. And like, that's what makes him fun to watch. And like, if you haven't watched his highlight film right now or yet, you should watch it right now. Yeah. And, and again, maybe we'll have to retweet that with this episode. Um, let's now talk about this because you and I talked a little bit before the episode on this. And I actually think because, and again, I ignored all this because I'm a pessimistic person. I think some K-State fans ignored it already, but the whole idea, and and he mentioned it, you know, all right, I want to go out and recruit now. I want to go find my teammates. I want to be a leader for this class. Who are some players that K-State fans should keep an eye on and you don't have to give away any premium information because now we're starting to wade into the recruiting spot. Mm-hmm. So make sure folks, you know, subscribe over at KSO, hashtag tell your friends, all that stuff. But who are some guys to keep an eye on? And then who are maybe some guys that are already in the fold that's like, okay, he might have given a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to uh, and said, hey, I'm going to be a cat. 
it's going to be a while for me to do it because I want my family to be there. I want to be on CBS Sports, all this type of stuff. So who are maybe any guys who are in the fold that Avery might have had a hand in? And then also who are like a handful of names that K-State fans should keep an eye on? It's not a done deal, but hey, maybe this can be that final nudge that gets them across the finish line. Uh, guys that are in the fold, it's hard to like know right away. But like I, I'm pretty sure that uh, Avery and Joe Jackson have a relationship. It's like that could be one. Obviously, like Avery and Dylan have kind of been together throughout this whole process. So like I think that they've kind of helped each other along the way. Andre but, Davis committing right after Avery's visit. I mean, yeah, yeah. You could you could look and see. It depends on how you want to read the tea leaves of how the Andre Davis commitment went down, but it seemed kind of like it wasn't a coincidence that right after the Avery visit, Andre Davis actually committed before he even visited. So, like, you could say that that's not a coincidence. And then for guys that you should probably keep an eye on, I mean, everybody knows, like, Josh Manning and that whole situation with him and he and Avery both took a visit at the same time. Um, we've seen Jacoby Lane from Arizona be really active on Twitter. He's even used the hashtag EMA23 like five or six times. He, he was Which, catching passes from yeah, Avery out yeah. at Elite 11, the Elite 11 wide receiver MVP. Yeah, so like that's another one to keep an eye on. But there's a few schools that are kind of lurking for him that are showing a lot of interest that could at least provide a little bit of a challenge um some other guys jackson fulmer is a guy that has been pretty close to k-state a few times to be at the point where he could commit maybe having avery in the fold gets them across the finish line and then other guys i mean i don't know if they have a relationship or not but it probably doesn't hurt that the only two kansas kids that haven't committed are john randall and jordan allen so like it doesn't hurt to have avery in the fold when you're going after those guys but like i don't know if there's a relationship there but i think that avery could at least be a, enough to maybe nudge them over because you have this big class of kansas and you also have an elite 11 quarterback in the fold as well yeah i i don't i think it's been documented that while not nearly the relationship of, you know, Dylan Edwards and Avery Johnson, Avery Johnson at least has crossed paths with John Randall a handful of times. And again, I think, again, he, he is handling his business truly like a business and all the credit yes. in the world to John Randall uh, because he is keeping his recruitment close to the best. But you got to think, man, the two other blue chip guys in my city are going to K-State like, Let's do something special. I, I I would love to see that happen. That would be great. Um, He's not rated like it, but Ancio's Docker Street's nothing to sniff about either. Oh, like oh and, and I'll say this. I'll say this. And, and again, I the boneheads hate it when I do this. And I know I can like feel their eye rolls <laughs> like as I'm about to say this. But I and I, I can't say who it is because they're on staff and it's they illegal really like for them to technically talk about like recruits, you know, but there is someone at K-State and actually I would say there's a handful of folks at K-State that look at Will Ancio and say, 
if this guy was in like Miami-Dade County, or if this guy was down in the Metroplex in Texas, or if this guy was out in Orange County in California, or, you know, in, in Ohio, one of these recruiting hotbeds, I think the opinion inside veneer that this kid is maybe the steal of the class. And I say steal of the class and he had some great offers. Yes. Yeah, his offer sheet's nothing to sniff about. I, I think, and, and, and you know what, I'm just kind of parroting this. If he was in one of these big, highly recruited areas, one of these football meccas, I think this kid is a five, nine, four star, a borderline top 200 type player. Uh, because if you look at the, body the athleticism in his ball skills when it's in the air it's amazing so i'll say this i'll I'll pose this question to you and then we'll, we'll kind of move on if you look at the hypothetical or even it doesn't even have to be hypothetical at this point because you know if you look at the commits right now and tried to form a seven on 17 again you're not quite there but the ability you're pretty close dylan edwards down in the slot you got Will Ancio at the tight end, Andre Davis at the wide receiver. You have Joe Jackson as a running back, Avery Johnson as the quarterback. You need what? Two need, more wide receivers? Yeah. Which, again, there's two pretty special ones just sitting there. Or, hell, even get Joe uh, John Randall in the, the ability because Joe Jackson's that type of all-purpose back. All of a sudden, you are seeing a spicy as fuck class of 2023 seven on 17 once you get a couple more pass catchers in there how electric actually let let me phrase it like this because again the only thing bill snyder had right about recruiting and and i that probably just cost me like three listeners right there people don't like it if i don't say bill snyder was perfect but i think when it comes to recruiting the only thing bill snyder had right was Ask me in three years how good this recruiting class is. I, I, I agree with him there. Like, and again, things have changed. Kids are playing earlier. But to truly grade a recruiting class, you have to wait a little bit. But the potential for the skill position players specifically on offense, because you still – that's where your bulk of big-time offers are still out. The potential is there for a truly era-defining haul all in one class. Do you think they can get across the goal line either on some of these other high-profile wide receivers or find the next set of wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, whatever it be, uh, to really fulfill the potential and the dreams that K-State fans are now starting to find themselves daydreaming of what this offense could look like in 2024, 2025, and beyond? You know, with the way that everything's been going, it wouldn't be surprising if they completed out this offensive skill set and rounded out this class and had a hell of a seven on seven team, as you put it, with all these skill position guys. And they're, they got close to crossing the finish line for one of the receivers already this week. So they're, they're getting closer. They're still in the game. And it kind of goes back to, what I talked about earlier where I, I don't really know who Avery has crossed paths with because like we, we didn't know about the Jacoby Lane connection until he visited. And Avery has been at so many national and big events. Like you don't know how big his circle really truly is until 
something happens, you're like, oh, there's an Avery Johnson connection. Or even, like, we haven't talked about this, but Dylan Edwards has just about as much clout as Avery. Well, yeah, and again, this has been the Avery Johnson podcast, but, you know, Dylan Edwards is out there. Like, I, I, I would not be shocked if Dylan Edwards is showing up, you know, at the first day of practice at Topeka Hayden, you know, with, with a group of people wearing K-State stuff, trying to commit Joe Otting. Like, I don't, I think that is going to be a fruitless endeavor, but I'm not going to put anything past a trio of Dylan Edwards, Avery Johnson, and Taylor Bratt. Like, if those three guys are putting like their mind to something, who am I to tell them they can't get it done? But uh, those three guys, and and again, the the charisma of Avery Johnson, the charisma of Dylan Edwards, like who knows? And and again, I'm not going to say exactly what it is. And I'm going to give a little plug to K-State online. You in, well, predominantly you, and then Derek Young also, he posted it. I mean, you're uncovering some other blue chip prospects that they are going after that are flying a little bit under the radar. So hashtag no free ads, but get over to KSA online if you want to see that. Yeah, I, if you haven't if you haven't seen that, you should probably go check. Yeah, so I, I th- think that you got these charismatic blue chips already in the fold. I think the sky's the limit, or as Michael Jordan said, the the what the, the ceiling roof is, is the limit. The ceiling, the ceiling is, the is the roof. The ceiling is the roof. I love it. All right. We're, we're going to move on just real quickly. I mean, this has been the Avery Johnson podcast, but I I've said this to you in our uh, texting conversations. I think I said to Derek Young, I've posted on the boards. I've said it on a couple episodes of Bosco's boys, but I think with all the excitement of, again, you had Dylan Edwards, you had some of those big in-state wins. You had this Avery Johnson commitment looming. There are two guys who in, a regular year or a historic in a uh, you know a historically average year of K State football recruiting, which again take t- actually I'm not even going to mention I'm just going to move on from what I was going to say. But if you just look at the past like eight to ten recruiting classes at K State, there are two guys who have committed in the last seven days who would either be the number one or number two recruit in the last, you know, seven out of the last eight, and I think eight out of the last 10 recruiting classes. And first off, it's uh, Donovan McIntosh. He's going to play corner. He's out of St. Louis. And then Joe Jackson out of Florida, listed as an athlete, a lot of places, all-purpose back. That one's out of Florida. Just first talk about McIntosh. He's one of your guys. Um, yeah. How excited are you to get him in the fold? And again, it, it flies under the radar, but I think, on three has him as a top 50 cornerback, the number Mm -hmm. eight player in the state of Missouri in a top, I think 300 overall player. They they have him close to a four star. Yeah. I mean, that's the pedigree of a guy who usually is either the number one or number two recruit at K-State. And again, we have him playing at corner. I think on rivals, he's listed as an athlete, but just talk me through that game and how excited were you for, uh, you know, cause he is, I mean, I, I, 100% 100% believe he is one of your guys. Any, If you follow recruiting, if you follow analysts, all these analysts kind of have a guy. He's the guy you have been. He, he is the guy preaching. for me. Yes, yeah. you have been preaching about this guy ever since you saw him at the UC camp in Kansas City. So just talk me through McIntosh's game and how excited are you to have him in the fold? Uh, so McIntosh is like the prototypical NFL corner. He's 6'3", 170. 
I've posted his track times, and I don't remember exactly what they are, but he can fly, and he can cover a lot of ground. He has big strides because he's 6'3". He has he looks really good. He looks the part. And like you see him run. He has Terrence Newman camp. high school track times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He has he his 100 meter time is faster than Terrence Newman's at Salina Central his senior year of high school. So like he he can really really run, and he can cover a lot of ground. He just seems like if Jacob Parrish was like two inches taller, he like that's Donovan McIntosh. Like it's hard to like comprehend because he is like what he could potentially look like because he could end up looking like Julius Brents three years from now because he's but an faster inch, yeah but faster he's an inch shorter than Brents but like that's a player that like you see him and like you really like that's who I see is Brents and I think that he's been super under recruited and that's another one where you don't know who else was really involved for him after a little bit because after K-State offered, and I think it was February, K-State led throughout. And he didn't really give anybody the time of day. Yeah, I, I have him projected as the Kansas City Chiefs 2026 second-round draft pick. Like, you know, I, I, I'm putting my prediction out there already. So I'm uh, going to say – I think that I said that he's going to be an all-conference guy at some point. I mean, I, I think he will. Again, if, if you if you look at like if you if you put a high school kid into an NFL draft like simulation, say give me the perfect cornerback, that is Macintosh to a yeah. yeah, six three, one seventy can fly. Yeah. Also, can we talk about how they're just building this? amazing four by 100 team in the secondary yes yes i mean again i, I would love to and again it's, it's something we would never see but i would love to like kind of see you know I, I guess let's say like summer like the summer of 2023 like workouts i want to see offensive versus defense four by one relay race like i would pay 25 bucks to see that like the cornerback room especially just has a bunch of track athletes that can really cover too. I mean, Connie Joel or Kenny Joel Thomas, who was one of the late ones in late June, I compared him to uh, like Jacob Parrish if they would have taken Jacob Parrish in June because he has similar track times to Jacob Parrish, but he committed already and like they really liked him and he could potentially end up being better than Parrish coming out of high school because he still has another year to go because Parrish really blew up towards the end. But that, I mean, that's another guy that you're got all, you got elite speed at the quarterback position all yeah, around. And again, I think, I think this is a credit to Chris Kleiman and Co.'s recruiting strategy. They are taking true athletes and they're saying, hey, look, you may not be the most polished football player, which again, that's not even the case with some of these guys. But, yeah. but, but they're saying, hey, look, we, we are going to prioritize athleticism and we are going to teach you the technique. We are going to teach you how to be a ball player uh, and then we'll go from there. And that's especially on defense. But let's flip to offense before uh, we get ready to wrap it up. Joe Jackson also in the fold, another guy who's right on the razor's edge of being a four star on rivals. You know, a top 100 Florida kid. And again, Florida, I think, is the number four state per capita 
when it comes to high profile power five football players. So again, getting in the top hundred there, you're beating out a bunch of schools that have historically lived in Florida for this kid. And again, uh, you know, they're both listed as all purpose backs, but I think he's a compliment to Dylan Edwards because I think he is exactly what we kind of all wanted Joe Irvin to be, you know, one, one cut and go, uh, but he's faster. He can catch the ball. And again, I, I don't mean that as a slight to Joe Irvin because I, Joe Irvin was a good, this is not where I'm not going to bash him, but, 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 you know, he is what we all wanted Joe Irvin to be. He has that one cut and go ability he has the recruiting pedigree, and I think he's a next-level athlete. Um, I'm excited to get him in the fold. And, again, I think he is the perfect complement to what Dylan Edwards brings to the table. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, him and Dylan share the same skills when it comes to catching the ball and running, but their play styles are a lot different. Dylan is more of like a get it and just outrun everybody. When Jackson gets it, Jackson runs really, really hard. And he's not afraid to come in and hit you if you're meeting him in the hole. And he runs really angry, but he can also do all these things like catching the ball. So like they're similar, but also very different. It's like when fancy like that, they're all purpose backs, like, yes, but they do it in a different way. Dylan is a world-class like speed guy. And Jackson is more like, a jack of all trades. And that's not to say that Dylan isn't because Dylan can do just about anything, but with his speed and vision, Dylan can get away with a little bit more than Jackson can. Yeah, for sure. And and again, I I'm kind of like envisioning, you know, fall 2024. I think, I think 2024, what would that be? Is that, is that our first game versus Arizona? If they're not in the big 12 at that point, I don't know what the, I, I think so. Yeah, I don't know what the big non-conference game is, but I just kind of envision like, you know, them, you know, back there with Avery Johnson, two back and a shotgun. And like these poor linebackers have no fucking clue what they're about to get themselves into. Well, I, I, was, I, 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 oh, I would have gone further and said Jackson in the backfield and Edwards in the slot. Well, but 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 again, I, I don't know. I, I like the idea of them both coming out of the yeah. backfield, linebackers not knowing what the hell's going on. I I think that they are setting up that if Colin Klein can kind of reach that creativity week in, week out that we saw in the bowl game and kind of everything goes perfect. If we're getting our dream scenario and in college sports, you almost never get it. But if you get that dream scenario, Colin Klein's a real, real deal. He's going to have so many toys to play with and it's going to be exciting. Yeah. I think fans should be really excited about the future of what this offense is and Again, like we're not just bashing the defense because the defense has a lot of guys that I really like too, but there's just a lot more momentum right now on the offensive side. So it just gets people more excited. And offense is just like a lot sexier to like talk about too, which is why everybody, like we, we've done, we're about to release, uh, Flando did a ranking of the top 12 commits. And like, it's just like, you can just envision like, offense is a lot easier i think to understand which is what like what gets people excited and why i think well like the seven on seven i think it's impossible to understand offensive line play yeah oh i i agree skill positions like it's really easy to understand like get excited about especially when you see i mean like you said joe jackson and like 20 i think last year 
he would have been the top commit by rivals with uh, yeah. Adrian with Adrian Lara. Yeah, yeah, it would be one of those two guys. And I think if you look at some of those composites, whether it's on three or two four seven, like they would have he it would have been the number one because they they were a, a, a tick above Lara. So. But he would have been tied with him in, in the rivals with oh, a 5.7. Yeah. So, and, and like it, it's hard to, like you said, because like it feels like these guys are getting overshadowed because Macintosh was in like right before Avery, just after Dylan. Joe Jackson was on the 4th of July. But like those are two commits that fans shouldn't be sleeping on. For sure. All right. So you. Usually you're up later than me, but you've had a hell of a day. It is way past my bedtime, and I'm still going to have to edit this and get it ready for morning. So we're going to wrap it up. But before we do, I want to give a shout-out to you and my main guy, Derek Young, and Flando. Actually, I'm getting lunch with Flando tomorrow um, or today as folks who are listening to this. I'm not going to say where. I don't want the paparazzi showing up. (laughs) But you three are my favorite trio in K-State Sports Media. But plug everything that's going on over at K-State Online. I'm pretty sure my iPhone, uh, you know, you know, you get the the screen time on Sundays. Oh. Like, I'm pretty sure I don't. I'm, I refuse to look at that. Yeah, don't do it. But like, <laughs> almost all my screen time screen time is over on Casey Online. Just plug everything you guys got going on over there. Uh, so we're gonna have a lot more Avery Johnson content. Obviously, I'm pretty sure there's um, an EYBL basketball tournament this week that I believe is in Kansas City that uh flando will be at and i mean it's always a good time to subscribe I, we already touched on it earlier but there's a uh, another potential blue chip recruit that could be going k-state's way that we uncovered this afternoon so tell your friends exactly all right folks we're going live 7 p.m tonight on Colorcast. be there be square we love you guys it's a great day to be a wildcat And guess what? We're coming to you with an episode probably every single day, every single weekday in the month of July. We have Blitz Month. It's it's, it's July. Yeah. Well, it's dramatic pause. We have Blitz Month in August. And then starting this football season, I'm going to see if I can possibly get burnt out talking about K-State football. That is the test. I'm going to try to burn myself out because all football season long, September, October, November, and hell, if we're if we're playing, you know, into the Big 12 championship, we're getting into, you know, big time bowl game, hell, maybe even December, one show every single weekday, the entire football season, we're going to see if I can burn myself out either I have untapped unlimited K state content or the show dies in January, there is no in between. We love you guys keep downloading Bosco's boys in no matter what, metaphorically, because again, someone sent me a snap from the cat head and said, where's Grant? It's metaphorical, folks. It's in your heart. Grant is always at the cat head. You just got to search deep into your soul to find him. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. Feelings growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you wanna be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. 
Podcast Network.